Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Modern creative teams are pulled in a thousand directions. Maintaining a functional project plan is hard. Wrangling designers and writers, copy edits and clients, all on deadline, can get messy fast. Most collaboration tools aren't made for creatives and creative projects, but Airtable is. Airtable makes it easy to organize stuff, people, ideas, anything you can imagine. That's why leading creative teams at places like Experience Design Agency Huge, Product Development Agency Planetary, and retail brand United Colors of Benetton use Airtable. It's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everything on schedule and let creative people be creative. Visit Airtable.com glossy today to get $50 in free credits. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and glossy senior reporter, Hillary Milnes, and with me this week is Tamara Mellon, the shoe designer and founder of her namesake brand. Hi. Hi, good to be here. Thanks for coming in. Uh, so we have a lot to dig into in 30 minutes uh, with all that you've done. Let's start with the 1.0 Tamara Mellon brand. After you left Jimmy Choo, what made you decide, I'm going to walk away from this brand and go direct to consumer, start out with um, my own label? So I sold Jimmy Choo in 2011. Um after 16 years. I founded it in 96 when I was 27 years old and built it for 16 years. And during that period, I've gone through four private equity deals, which is a lot of turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of burnt out with that. And I decided um, that I really wanted to do build a different business model. So what I saw coming in the industry is the digital revolution, basically, the fashion business was going to be eaten by technology, like every other industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you look back at the music industry, we saw that get disrupted, um, transport with Uber, film, and then next, it was really the fashion industry's turn. And what I realized, um, when I looked at the industry is, you know, we worked in such an antiquated way that the customer was way ahead of where the industry was. So when I started in the business as a young fashion editor at Vogue, um, the only people who went to fashion shows were press and buyers. So and then the customer would see that product on the shop floor six months later, and it was on the shop floor and in a magazine at the same time. So it had this big reveal moment that was really exciting, mm-hmm. and you saw new trends, and you wanted to kind of rush out and buy something. But the problem is when the fashion shows went online, everyone was looking at the clothes six months before they hit the store. So they created this fatigue around it. There's sort of no, there wasn't this desire to go and get it when you've been looking at it for six months. Right. Um, and also as an industry, we sold clothes in the wrong season. So we tried to sell people winter coats in July and August and spring, summer in January and February. Nobody thinks like that anymore. Today, um, you want to buy something today and you want to wear it tomorrow. And you really don't care about seasons. You don't care about collections. Um, So I wanted to create a business model to meet the customer where she was at. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about 
something that was six, seven years ago, we're still having this exact conversation today. People are kind of just now coming around to this idea that, oh, maybe the fashion uh, calendar is out of sync with with customer behavior. Why do you think it's taken so long for for this to catch on? You know, you know, it's interesting to say that when I talked about buy now, wear now five years ago, people looked at me like I had an alien growing out the back of my head. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like I was crazy. Um, I think people are slow to change because they're afraid of change. They want things to stay the way they've always done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, people just were not visionary enough. They didn't learn from other industries. Um, I know when I spoke to a lot of department stores, they said, oh, yeah, we know, we understand what you're trying to do, but it doesn't really fit into our financial planning. And if you have uh, cashmere and boots on the shop floor in January and February and we're selling spring, summer, how's that going to look? You know, and my answer was, well, why don't you test the customer and see how she feels? And they just they would they just didn't want to change, mm-hmm. and then they they got slapped in the face with it. And now you see pretty much all of them in free fall because mm-hmm. everyone's all over the place. Uh, do you think that today this this buy now wear now model is where the future of fashion is going? And I want to dig into what what happened with uh with the first with the first incarnation of the brand. But as you're watching, as you've watched this over the years, you've had this vision that okay, this isn't really in, in line anymore, but we've also seen brands try it. And, and a lot of times it proves to be a lot harder to pull off for the same reasons that people were saying all, the, all those years ago. I think it's it's hard to pull off because it's hard. Um, people are trying to still do fashion shows and they're trying to, they don't know whether they, they should be showing to buyers of what they're coming in to buy for the store and they're going to deliver in six months or is it a show to a customer, mm-hmm. right, who can buy immediately. And it's, and it's a weird mix of both at the moment. So I don't think anyone's really figured out what the right strategy is. Um, the, what I did is I pulled all my business out of wholesale mm-hmm. um, and I took it direct to the consumer. Now, I was lucky enough um, that my company was still a startup. It was small enough um, to do that. You know, I often think if I still own Jimmy Choo, what would I do? I had hundreds of millions of dollars in a wholesale distribution channel. Right. You can't just pull that out Triple and it. switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yet all these big brands are sitting there and they're watching their orders uh, decline mm-hmm. year on year instead of grow. So so what do you do? You're really, you're really stuck. Right. Um, so what I did with my new brand, Tomorrow Melon, is um, I pulled everything out of wholesale and took it direct and I stopped designing collections. Um, I just put new product up every month that's season appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and every month I do something that's really fashion forward and innovative in a limited quantity. Um, and what that does, that creates uh, excitement, a reason for people to come back, um, scarcity. And then what sits underneath that are all your great basics that we repeat by all the time. Okay, so... So then that and that's working now with the new with the new model. That's really working. So mm-hmm. the customers are really responding to that. And it also means that our feedback loop isn't as long. Mm-hmm. So before when I was in a wholesale distribution channel, um, it would take a year for a feedback loop to ask to hear what the customer is now. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Like we I made a electric blue metallic uh, boot the other day as a sample. And I put it on in the office and we photographed it and we put it up on Instagram and we said, who likes this? And the response was overwhelming. We had so many requests for it that we put it into production. It's being delivered in a few weeks. 
Uh, so it's <laughs> it's much more immediate, right? So it's so it's the direct to consumer model. Do you still see this reason to not work with with wholesale accounts? Because we we've you know Everlane now they sell at Nordstrom. They also have physical retail. Um, that's a little bit different. Do you ever see that there's still value in in selling through third party retailers? So I'm going to make a strong statement. I think the future of retail is the end of wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way that some brands are doing it are uh, doing sort of like pop-ups, uh, in-store pop-ups or uh-huh. shopping shops. Um, but what that means for a brand is you manage your own inventory. You you stock what you want. You staff it. You give um, the department store a commission. Um, for what you sell. So they're really not in control. Um, The brand is still in control. Mm -hmm. You know, I think retail is still really important for brands, but what that looks like is going to be very different than than how we know it today. So particularly for a shoe store, it's not going to be somebody walking from behind a curtain with a stack of boxes right. and <laughs> trying to figure out which size. You know, there's, there's going to be... Um, there's going to be a more experience to it, more social element, you know, because as human beings, we're all still really social. You know, I call them like I have my tribe of women and we all probably want to hang out together. And I just got to figure out what that is going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. So what do you think that changes about the role of a brand and like what the modern definition of a brand is? And what do you do if you're kind of like what you said, where, where Jimmy Choo is you, you can't just pull out all of these, this business that, that you've built the company on. No, I think they have to uh, start focusing more on digital. Um, so a small pote- uh, percent of Jimmy Choo's revenue today is their digital. Mm-hmm. If I was still there, I'd be looking at growing that. Um, and I think a lot of the big brands have been slow to learn about digital. They haven't uh, had the skilled people in-house to do it. They haven't had the experience. They're now hiring more skilled people, like we just saw a new hire at Condé Nast, um, someone who's not from traditional background, but to come in and help them digitally. Mm-hmm. So it's, so the future is, is digital, because those are owned sales that, that you can see the customer, like everything that that comes with these these direct sales is is kind of how you're how you're building your business yes and 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 also building it um in a way that you know uh we give the customer what she wants when she wants it so we have you know we think about every month and what our customers want to wear in that month Mm -hmm. you know what's the weather in new york today you know what's she going to be looking for um so it actually makes sense to her life Mm -hmm. and and so that is based on on customer data how are you how are you sort of making sure that you're you know what to what to design what they're talking about what's going to actually sell within the next month or so so um obviously as a designer i still you know i still design ahead um right now i've actually designed through december Mm -hmm. um but we have a much smaller uh shorter production time so I can design something and have it up for sale within three months Uh so what we can do is we can actually um we can put we can read what she's responding to from the data we get Mm -hmm. and then we can design more into that um or we can ask her directly like we did on Instagram saying do you like this do you want it what if you do we'll make it Mm -hmm. and and so when you're dealing with luxury product um obviously with without the middleman the the price point for the shoes 
are a little bit below what what a Jimmy Choo would be. Is that right? Yes. So um, right now we're about half of what I used to charge at Jimmy Choo, even though I pay the same factory price. Um, but I just don't mark them up six times anymore because I don't have to pay department stores rent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very much like in the Casper, the Warby Parker business model that, you know, we learned from those companies. Um, and I'm probably the first luxury brand to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do you consider the way that people today define luxury? Is it the same, especially when you think of a, what, like a, what direct-to-consumer brands usually stand for? It's taking an industry that people kind of just went along with, um, like glasses, paying so much, mattresses, having this terrible shopping experience, and getting that all out of the way. Like, what? How do people shop differently for luxury shoes today in the direct-to-consumer setting? And and how did how did your perception of it change since you had uh, launched Jimmy Choo and into now? Well, I think the word uh, luxury is really abused. Mm. A lot of people use the word luxury or not true luxury. So Especially in, in the direct to consumer market, yeah. we see we see that word, you know, a lot. Um, luxury quality, well, they, yeah, a lot. Prices, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we define luxury by um, where we make the shoes, mm-hmm. the leather that we use, the the grade of leathers that we use, the um, the skilled workers that work on them in the Italian factories, um, and so it's. I think we're really the first. A brand to be real luxury who's direct to consumer um, when I look around there's a lot of like amazing brands but you couldn't really define them as a true luxury brand mm-hmm. and it, they even when they make the same claims like oh we make an Italian factories using this high premium quality fabrics how if you're the if you're the consumer how are you supposed to know the difference well that's very difficult mm-hmm. you know as a as being in the shoe business for 20 years you know um i can tell the difference by the grade of the leather right by you know by there's you know certain technical things to a shoe um it's very hard for a customer to tell the difference what i would do is i'd get a pair of tomorrow melons put it by somebody else's shoes side by side and try them both on you'll probably see a difference mm-hmm. maybe yeah walk around a little, little bit. bit yeah <laughs> especially when you consider that getting into a Neiman Marcus that sort of validates the luxury claim is that side by side uh yes so if you think about what I've done so I was sitting uh in Neiman's Mm -hmm. in Saks in in all the department stores uh next to the uh, my direct competitors next to my lu- the other luxury brands. So that validates also us being a luxury brand, but I actually pulled myself out of there. But a lot of the other brands, they haven't sat ne- on the luxury floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually a very, very good point. Right. And it was so, so with the, with the tomorrow melon brand you did. Yes. And I pulled and I pulled. So the first version of this brand, mm-hmm. um, I tried to do buy now, wear now and put it through a wholesale distribution channel. Um, and it didn't work and I could, and it just, it, it just really wasn't working. That was my mistake. Um, so I decided to just kind of pull the ripcord on that. I chap- put that company through a chapter 11, reorganized it and relaunched it as direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Today's sponsor is Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. The creative world is constantly evolving and to keep up, you need a tool that's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everybody on the same page. Airtable is modern software. 
its fields can handle any content you throw at them, add attachments, long text notes, check boxes, links to records and other tables, even barcodes, whatever you need to stay organized. That's why when the team at WeWork needed a tool to manage their entire creative process from ideation to content creation, they turned to Airtable. Airtable empowers you to do your work your way. Try it today. Just head to Airtable.com glossy to receive $50 in free credits. And what about new modern era partners? Uh, there are other options today than, than a regular brick and mortar department store. Um, have you explored e-commerce market only marketplaces? Uh, what about, what about other um, companies that have kind of come to rise with digital? Yeah. So there are amazing companies that we work with today that are more of a marketplace. So I, um, like Farfetch, Spring, um, we've done a collaboration with Goop. Um, and what we do is we do a revenue share. So it means that I don't, I still don't have to mark my product product up Mm -hmm. to um, compensate them I still don't need a wholesale margin Mm -hmm. and so those are amazing places for for us to be and it kind of grows uh, brand awareness and customer awareness right yeah yeah and going off of that how do you raise awareness today when it's expensive to acquire customers I think a lot of brand founders that have raised a lot of capital uh, and have launched brands that that you know they don't want the middlemen have realized is that it's really hard and expensive to to make noise today. It is. So most of our advertising is digital, uh, social media. It's Instagram and Facebook. Um, but then we'll we'll do um, work with other digital um, magazines, websites, influencers. You know, it's a completely different different world than uh, traditional fashion um so but it is it is people don't realize it actually is very expensive to acquire customers through advertising on social media right what's what's been the most successful for you um really uh instagram and facebook have been very successful for us um and then also just doing uh uh press interviews um doing uh, collaborations with people has been very successful. Mm-hmm. And so the influencer marketing world works? Um, it does. If if it's the right person, you know, what we found, it's not always a person that has actually millions of followers because they're usually fans of somebody and they probably won't convert into being customer. What works uh, better for us is actually to find someone who maybe has less followers, but a very engaged um you know, follower mm-hmm. who actually are really believe in what the person's saying, wearing, and actually engaged with what they're doing rather than just being a fan. Right. Yeah. I think that that comes up all the time, these new ones that, so they're actually pushing sales. Yes. And does that cost a lot? Is it gifting? Does it cost a lot of money? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a mix, mm-hmm. right? So depending on, on who it is, it's a real, it's a real mixture. Um, you know, and then we also send out, uh, we have, uh, direct marketing by email. Um, we do newsletters, um, which we think our customers, you know, really engaged in. Right. And, and so approaching and building this brand with a new mindset around what a brand should be, how it should sell to customers. Uh, are you using any other technology, any, like anything that you think is really going to shape the success of a, of a brand going forward, at least whether that's on the the back end or the marketing side? Um, well, we actually, um, we really believe in customer service. Mm-hmm. So we have real humans on the end of the phone. We still believe that's important. Uh-huh. Um, right now I have three people and it's growing. Um, so you actually don't, 
have to deal with um, a computer on the other side. You know, you can actually speak to a real human, which we like. We get take a lot of calls. We believe that customer service uh, on a website has to be even better than in, in person. Mm-hmm. So we like to have people available. Um, I guess that's that's mixing that's sort of mixing old and new together. Um, but then we also use um, we'll be using texting, uh, S, you know, SMS to communicate with customers. Mm-hmm. We have live chat on the site. Uh, yeah, so it's not so. There's actually a lot of human interaction. So, do you think it's it's is a it convenience? What type of experience is is epitomizing the luxury direct to consumer modern customer experience? Um, I think it's service convenience, price, and quality. Mm-hmm. So you have to hit all those boxes. Yeah, I have to hit all those. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about uh, the the Tomorrow Mill and brand today, what, what did you learn from both Jimmy Choo and the first brand that you launched afterwards that you really realized like this, okay, this is, this is what this one has to be today. This is how things have changed since and, and, you know, this is what it's going to be like to run a brand going forward, especially when you said that, you know, technology is going to eat fashion. Is Do you think that's happened? Um, I think we're in the midst of it right now. Um, and I think some people will survive and some won't. Um, and some people will transition. Um, and I think we'll see a lot more brand emerge, um, like the next generation of luxury brands will be built in a very different way than I than I built Jimmy Choo. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's one of the reasons I left. I, I also wanted to build a brand in a different way. And it wasn't just a different business model or the technology. It was really the way we talk to our customers um, as well. You know, I wanted to be very honest um, with my customers and I wanted to talk about issues that were really important to me. So as a brand, we talk a lot about women's issues. We talk a lot about equal pay, gender discrimination, um, or anything that's uh, important to women. Um, And I really didn't feel like I could also do that with a traditional luxury brand. Traditional Mm -hmm. luxury brands are really not... um, they don't really talk about those type of beliefs or, you know, it's very glossy on the outside mm-hmm. um, and they try and keep everything arms very length. pretty, yeah. arm's length. You know, the sort of creative director sits in her ivory tower and kind of dictates down and doesn't really have any direct communication. Right. Um, and that's another thing that I was really excited about was, was you know, talking about issues that are important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think the tricky part for that as a brand is to make sure that because customers do want a brand that stands for something, but how do you do that in a way that doesn't feel like you're pandering to the customer? Um, I think we just do it in the things that are authentically we believe in that mm-hmm. are issues for us. So obviously being a woman in business, um, you know, I've learned a lot over the years. I've been shocked a lot over the years. You know, when I founded Jimmy Choo, I was 27. I just wanted to make beautiful shoes. I had no idea what I was going to face in business as a woman. Mm -hmm. So now I can take all that experience um, and talk about it with my customers. Mm -hmm. What's the right time to bring up these issues when you're when you're talking to a customer, especially when there's the potential for just always on communication, you can say as many things as you want during the day across all the different platforms that people have now. Well, you see a lot of it in the images we create mm-hmm. and in the copy we write. Um, there's usually a thread of of what we want to talk about through with, with that, but also with a sense of humor, you know, with some irreverence, you know, we're, we're not sort of too 
too heavy-handed about it. I mean, some issues we take very, very seriously, like equal pay. Um, but then you'll see some definitely a sense of humor through what we're doing. And you'll, if you look at the images, if you go to our Instagram and you look at our images, you'll see that they're very edgy. Um, they, have, they have some wit, some humor to them. They're not traditional luxury brand um, images, um, even though they are very you know beautiful. Um, if you read the copy, um, you'll see that we talk about talk about the issues that we want to talk about mm. and that's kind of how we get it across right so it's so it's built in from the beginning of it, a campaign exactly it's it's sort of weaved in through through everything mm-hmm. and and so you mentioned if you were at jimmy choo still you'd be focusing on digital uh if you are a traditional luxury brand it seems like these all of this is coming up like you mentioned of course they're they're a little slow to adapt but what do you think is going to kind of be the the sea change what's going to be the force that is going to dominate luxury strategies going forward? I think the force is really going to be, you know, um, everyone going through this transition right now um, and people who are smart about digital will come out the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what department stores are going to do. There's a ton of real estate that w- people have to figure out what to do with it. Um so I think we'll see a lot of stores closing. We've seen a lot. We're going to see a lot more of retail closing and probably being repurposed into into different things that, or experiences that people want to experience. Mm-hmm. So, do, But do you think physical retail is dead? I don't think physical retail is dead for mono brands. Mm. So um, you don't need as much as you used to. Uh, when I sold Jimmy Choo, I had 145 stores. Um, brand certainly doesn't need that anymore, but you need probably some... Um, stores in prime locations where people can go in and feel your brand, experience it, understand who you are, or your tribe of customers come together and hang out. Um, that's what it'll be about. Mm-hmm. Experiences. Yeah. Is it hard for these types of brands to reconcile with this idea that the customer is making this decisions and calling the shots at the at the end of the day? They don't have that. Of course, there's there needs to be a sense of brand authority, but it's not the top down anymore. No, it's certainly not. And it's really the customers in control, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely flipped it on its head um, from the brands being in control. Um, and I think they're probably, you know, traditional brands right now are struggling, struggling with that. And people have done business in a certain way for decades. And so to try and change that mindset um, is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with with things like the fashion calendar, like how is that going to shake out? It's we've been calling it a, like a wild west. Everything's hitting the fan for multiple seasons. Yes, so I still people are still trying to figure it out because um, wholesale channel still has they want to buy six months ahead because of their financial planning. Um, yet brands want to sell immediately to the customer. Um, We'll have to figure it out. They, right. they've, they're going to have to figure it out. What I did, I just I just pulled out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do shows. Um, I don't show anything to, to buyers. Don't see something six months, you know, before I put it up my website. Um, you know, so that's how I resolved it by going direct. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see what ha- – I, I really don't know what's going to happen with, yeah. with the shows. They're becoming um, more and more irrelevant. Right. I, can you imagine the end of it, though, all of it? I know it's uh, it's well something new will emerge uh-huh. you know maybe we don't know what that is yet but something new will emerge out of it mm-hmm. and do you see that like as a as a footwear brand as a shoe designer 
do you, do you think that it's, it's easier to kind of say, oh, this isn't as relevant for me than, than if you're ready to wear? Um, I think it's tough for anybody, mm-hmm. um, whether it's ready to wear or bags or shoes. Um, I, th- I think you have the same issues. Right. It just feels like every day there's a designer announcing that they're, they're changing up their model. Uh, so, so it'll be exciting to see what shakes out. Great. Thank you so much for, for joining us tomorrow. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening. A special thanks to Diddy Songo, the producer of this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have. <laughs> <laughs>